And just like that, after a month off, we're back. Let's take a step back to November. I just completed my very first episode of I'm Not Selling You Anything, and I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling confident. So good, in fact, that I sent a DM and a prayer to one of the most accomplished podcasters in the sales game, asking him if he would consider joining me on the show. Imagine my surprise when he showed up. His show, The Sales Enablement Podcast, is the gold standard in the industry with over 2 million downloads. And if that wasn't enough, he's the author of two award-winning books with a third, Sell Without Selling Out, in Ascension. I have a feeling I'm going to look back on this episode and think, that's the best it ever got for me. It is my immense pleasure to bring you my conversation with Andy Paul. Are you making it easy for customers to buy your software? Make it even easier with SalesBricks, a zero-code revenue platform where you can design pricing and packaging, connect features to plans, close deals, and manage subscriptions and entitlements. You know, all the stuff that takes forever in dev time and brings you all the headaches. No mas. Think of SalesBricks as a Shopify experience for the buyers of your software product. All right, let's run the tape. Sales zombies, someone that even the seller themselves doesn't recognize, just blindly following a process wherever it goes without a plan of their own to improve or deliver. Andy Paul, thank you so much for joining us on I'm Not Selling You Anything. How are you? <laughs> great, Brian. I'm laughing just because it's a great title for a show. Your book came out yesterday. It did, yes. The timing to have you with us is just unbelievable, serendipitous. And it really, truly is a pleasure, Andy. You want to get started? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So, Andy, what do you do with the Sales Enablement Podcast, and how'd you get there? I started the podcast uh, in 2015, and I just sort of out of the, you know, we sort of consistently been putting out, I hope, great content and building a, a big audience for it. And then I sort of in 2019 toward tail in 2019, got approached by this company that then called Ring DNA. Okay. The CEO, right. Howard Brown, somebody I'd known for a number of years and, and he had always enjoyed my content and I had had him on the show a couple of times and yeah, sort of approached me with this crazy idea of buying my podcast. So yeah, Ring DNA acquired the podcast, which is in part, I think, just to provide some thought leadership for them and their company. They're a you know, fast growing startup company in a very competitive space and as a way to help differentiate them. And yeah, so here we are two years later. Yeah. Episode 1035 Jesus. or something today. Yeah. Just, just for comparison, Andy, you are my 13th episode. <laughs> That's a good luck one. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, you know, it's, you got to start somewhere. So first of all, just you know, take comfort knowing that you're beating the average. As of a couple of years ago, I remember going to a big podcast conference and they mm -hmm. said that the average number of episodes a podcast host produces before they quit is seven. Really? Oh, you've doubled the average. Look at that. We've doubled the averages here. We're beating the odds. That's fantastic. But before I got on, and I don't get too nervous. I was nervous before my first one. And I got nervous just before getting on with you. I texted my CEO, John, who speaks very highly of you. He also bought the book, sent me a picture earlier. Yes, I and, uh, and he sent me, uh, he sent me a just, you've come a long way. You only started this a while ago. Really proud of what you've done. Every guest has enjoyed their time with you and Andy's is going to be no different. So 
That's what we're going to do. I think we're on a good start. <laughs> Great. So that's how you got on the Sales Enablement Podcast. Now, just popping over, I, I want to know a little bit more about just this, the particular book, right? Sell Without Selling Out. Right. I want you to put yourself in, in your reader's shoes. Mm. What will reading Sell Without Selling Out help them achieve more of? More time prospecting, overall fulfillment of jobs. Many things. I, mean, I think one of those is just as you talked about, it's it's more fulfillment from the job, right? So if yeah. if you're if you're selling in a way that's aligned with who you are as a human in terms of your character and your values and your unique human strengths, then yeah, yeah, I think that it's not a guarantee of success, but it it does help put you on a better track towards success and toward enjoying this job. Cause yeah, the the a survey that came out tail end of last year or maybe yeah near the tail end of last year from uncrushed and and some other organizations that are about the uh, you know mental well-being of salespeople. it was pretty scary stuff that such a large fraction of sellers felt depressed or anxious and it doesn't need to be that way it doesn't I mean, need to, yeah i mean it's not a cure for for people who have depression i'm saying but it's it's for job-related stress and anxiety, yeah, it's it's if you're in sales, it's tough, tough job. I mean, it's hasn't gotten any easier no. over the years. I mean, there's lots of people like to say, oh, it's harder before than it is now. And so it's no sales is just hard. hard it's work. different. It's not that it's harder, it's different. The problems that were around before may not be around now, but the problems that are around now might not have been around before, right? But in a sense, they're largely the same, right? Is is yeah. in a B2B world, what are you trying to do? You're trying to help buyers make a change for the better. That's what they want. They want to make a change for the better. That's fundamentally what they're investing in. And yeah, I don't think that's changed. And I don't think that the way humans process information has necessarily changed. The way they make their decisions has changed. The way they gather information certainly has changed. But when it comes to how you interact with them as humans, yeah, that hasn't changed. I mean, I just, and it's one of the things that popped out, right? And, you know, when I first got the book, the first thing I do was just kind of do the quick, like, the smell. I just love doing that to new books for some reason. And the first thing that popped out at me, yeah, actually the very first one was death to salesy. The second one that really got to me and the one that speaks to what we're talking about here was be more human, mm -hmm. be more human. Right. I think that, that the important thing for people to keep in mind is, so I, I'd make this distinction in the book between selling out behavior and selling in selling out are these, you know, stereotypical prototypical, salesy behaviors, pushy, persuasive behaviors that we all know from sellers. Selling in is not those things, right? And I've described four pillars of selling in. The thing is that selling out behaviors are learned behaviors. That's the thing that's sort of ironic is that we teach people how to sell this way. Whereas what I talk about selling in based on these four pillars, which are connection, curiosity, understanding, generosity, those are innate human behaviors. And if you, if you are going down the salesy path, then you're going to follow a set of behaviors that buyers instinctively resist. And they, why do you want to do that? They instinctively resist the salesy. And that, that's actually a great right into our next question. Sure. Now, you're saying that what buyers resist. So what do you think is the most challenging part of the software buying process for the buyer. Well, not necessarily software. I mean, we like to talk about software here and technology. Sure. But it could be the same for a lot of different things, right? Like 
What do you think is so challenging for buyers today that really makes them roll their eyes? I think that these are the same things that have been difficult for buyers in the past, which is, I write about this in the book, is that everyone, every buyer has the same three constraints. And the three constraints are is they've got limited time, they've got limited access to information, and they've got limited understanding of the information they have. And they're always in that position of having to make decisions based on those three constraints. And this was research that was done by a Nobel Prize winning economist, uh, Herbert Simon, into what he called his theory of bounded rationality, which is we all, we all face these constraints when making decisions. So buyers have the same constraints today. What, what makes buying even you know, more difficult is they don't do it that frequently, right? I mean, if you're selling a sales engagement platform, sure. how often does the company buy one? Once every, I'm assuming they don't churn, <laughs> but- Right, once every, every, uh, every funding round, you know, once the team yeah, really, really if, gets big, just, you know. Maybe, yeah, every two years, every three years, every sure. four years. So it's not like they have a process down for how do we buy sales engagement software? And then, yeah, from two to three year gap, maybe half the people or more that were on the team the last time that made the decision, they're gone. Yeah. Right? So you got a whole new group of people come in. Mm -hmm. So it's buyers having to sort of navigate that themselves. And, yeah, we don't necessarily make that easy for them. No. Now, the not making it easy for them, I just start to think of sales leaders. So you say like sell more like a human. When you've got sales leaders sometimes, and this is through direct experience, when you have sales leaders that are being held also to a number, right? We think sure. that we're the only ones at the number, but that flows all the way up, right? Those numbers that the leaders have to get to sometimes, what I think is the being a human game is a longer game, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. That's a long game. It's not something where... If you're acting like a human, you're not going to get pushy and ask someone to sign a deal or get a deal closed. And I just think it's a longer tail when you take that sort of approach, a social sell and something that is less pushy, just by nature, something that is less pushy is going to take a little bit longer. I think no, I, so. I, actually, I don't, I don't agree. Actually, okay. I, think that, I think, and I describe it in the book, I think actually not being pushy is the way you shorten decision cycles. So okay. I think- there's this myth that exists out there that, <laughs> that buyers are slow, right? You've got, <laughs> you've got to bring a group of people together, typically to be on a buying committee. This isn't their job, right? Yeah. They're not being- It's not, not their being, primary. Mm -hmm. They're not being measured on this. So do they want to go spend as much time as they possibly can to yeah. make that happen? Of course not. That's ridiculous. They want to get it done. What's holding them back is us. Is us. Okay. So, <laughs> and so if you're working through with your buyer and sort of a selling in process is what you're doing is you're being focused on helping them get to a point of understanding what their challenges are and what the outcomes are they can achieve more quickly. When you focus on that, then you're starting to shorten the amount of time that they, they need to devote to this task of making a decision. Because I write about in the book is that contrary to sort of popular opinion is yes, decision making is emotional driven, but when you think about it from the context of, of what your buyers are doing, they make 
a decision that Herbert Simon, again, talked about, which is called a satisfied decision. This is what people do when they make decisions is they research until they find a solution that satisfies their requirements and it suffices to achieve their desired outcomes. And Good so enough. Simon Simon created this word called satisfied, conjoining these two words. And that is the good enough decision. Because what you do is you say, look, I could invest more time and do more research and talk to more sellers, but the marginal return on that time just isn't there because I'm not going to come up with anything substantially better to warrant the additional investment of time. So buyers make the good enough decision. How do you break through that noise? Not sounding like every other sales rep, right? How do you get it across to that buyer that I'm acting more, hu- I'm more of a human. I'm not going to jam this down your throat. How do you do that? Well, it's through your actions. And that's, that's ultimately, it's how the buyer experiences you. Mm-hmm. I mean, at heart, what this book is really about is how do we create positive buying experiences so that the buyer wants to do business with us? It's, there's been certainly no shortage of research saying that when it comes down to making a decision, assuming the products are relatively equal, right? what's the point of differentiation? Well, it's the buyer's experience with you in their buying process, with you as an individual and you as a sales team, let's say, if there are multiple people from your team on a deal, that's what they make their decision on. So that can be the tipping point. Yeah. So you want to then focus and say, look, how can I be intentional this is really the key word, right? Acting with intent every time I interact with a buyer to be able to help them make progress toward making a decision. So Andy, these days when software is so commoditized, mm-hmm. where certain products are, they kind of do the same exact thing. They just sure. papered over a little bit differently, right? Sure. So this book comes around in a time where it's a perfect time for something like this, for that type of differentiation, just because everyone has a pro- very similar products. They're a Venn diagram. They overlap in many, many ways. What is some really bad advice that you've heard in sales engagement? This one's a, this one's a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Gosh. I think we've all heard the horror stories, right? I mean, I give examples of myself. Yeah. So it's not even advice. It's, it's stories. So I don't know, about a year or so ago, maybe a little bit longer, I get this cold outreach email. Actually, it was, it was on LinkedIn. It was a direct message on LinkedIn. This makes the story even worse. <laughs> and, and the person says, look, yeah, I've been looking at your profile and I think you'd be a perfect person to start a podcast. <laughs> and I'm sitting there just laughing. I'm going, okay, you're on LinkedIn. If you had spent 10 seconds looking at my profile, you'd notice that I have a podcast. Not only have one, I've had one for you know, five or six years. But somewhere this person was coached, this was the right thing to go do. <laughs> you know, it's just don't research. And so I actually wrote back and I said, so just FYI, you're on LinkedIn, <laughs> right? Is... You could have looked, I mean, one and, layer deeper, one layer deeper. And, and the, response, right and the response, and the response was unsurprisingly, the response was, well, we don't have time for that. Oh, come on. We don't have time for that. Then they just and I don't, don't think that's unusual. That's... I think, I think people, you know, 
feel pressed to you know, commit, as I say, commit a certain number of activities. Exactly. And, and yeah, they let the real good stuff go, right? Things they should be doing. And this, this is something I call leaders to task on in my book, which is that success is not about the process that you execute. It comes from the people that are on your team becoming the best version of themselves. And that's your responsibility, your sole responsibility really as a manager is if you can make that happen, then you're going to hit your number. Exactly. I find that that's, I think that's the misalignment that I was getting at before where you've got sales leaders that are really working it from an activity standpoint, just because we've gone from, you know, automation has helped us throw more things at the wall, right? Volume, quantity. Mm -hmm. And now technology has changed. 2021, 2022 and beyond has taught us that it's not a quantity number, it's a quality number. So that next evolution of technology is, and, and not just technology of humans, of human sales people is to become more human, is to become more quality and more intentional in their outreach, like you say. Yeah, and that's not always going to be easy. No. So as I illustrate in the book, as, as an individual, you're listening to this program, and you probably think, well, okay, that all sounds good, but yeah, that's not aligning with what my boss thinks. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're the valuable commodity as a seller. And pe- it's being shown during the great resignation or the great reassessment, whatever that mm-hmm. we want to call it these days, is yeah, you, the seller, you've got the power because you have the ability to go out and win business. And if you're being asked to do things that are just not in alignment, with what you think is the best way to do things that your experience is telling you, that your gut is telling you that then reassess, push back. back. Yeah. I mean, I did that in my career. I mean, I, and so it does, it puts the pressure on you to deliver Mm -hmm. fine, but you're in the job. You have to deliver anyway, right? We're in this profession. There's no escaping the fact that at the end of the day, we're going to have a target of some sort we have to hit. Yeah. Uh, You come into that knowing that, but it's how you get from the point of, of knowing you have a target to achieving it, that makes all the difference. And yeah, I sort of had a reputation in places I worked when I was coming up. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'd get advice from a manager if I didn't think it was the right advice. I'd say, well, let me think about that. Yeah, and that's and that's, that's a different thing, right? Most people will say, yep, great. First, I'm, you know, it's my, I'm onboarding. It's my first, I'm mm-hmm. ramping up. Great, I'll do it. Well, yeah, the thing is, no one cares about your success as much as you do. No one cares about your career as much as you do. And so why do you want to be at the mercy of, you know, your frontline manager, if you're a salesperson, yeah, could just be somebody who's one of your peers. They just, you know, have three months seniority to you. Yeah, exactly. How are they really helping you develop as an individual? Well, chances are in a lot of spaces, they're not right. They're just out trying to drive you to achieve your number. Well, then you have to take responsibility for that yourself. And it's possible to do. You still, I said, you're accountable, but I always took the approach that if I was going to be fired for non-performance, I was going to go out on my own terms. That's a great, uh, now uh, I recently had Tom Alemo on from Gong, actually released the episode today. And something that he mentioned was very in line with what you're saying. Say you join an organization and hey, this is kind of how it's done. Great. I'll give that a try, but that doesn't mean I can't do testing on the side and A-B test. Sure. Right. That's the way to really say, hey, I have an intuition 
And I'm going to use that intuition to perform an experiment. And that experiment is going to provide data points for me to then turn around to my leader and say, this is why we should do it yeah. this way, right? I've, I've got an anecdote in the book, which I've had stored up for a while. I really like this. Is, so I'm a huge soccer fan. Anybody listens to my show knows that. But there was a story from... Yeah, Clint Dempsey was one of the great all-time U.S. soccer players from, from Texas originally and had a hugely successful career in Europe, uh, high-scoring striker for you know, Fulham and, and in the Premier League, in Tottenham in the Premier League, and Bruce Arena, yep. who had been coach of the U.S. men's national team for a number of years, was asked what the secret of Dempsey's success was because Dempsey... Timeless. He played forever but he could pull stuff out of a hat that you just wouldn't think possible. And Arena thought first and said, he tries shit. And, and that's the thing with sales. I write in the book, there's no rule book for sales. Try shit, try something different, right? Experiment, see how it works. That's up to you as the individual contributor to do that. Do you have any stories or of times when someone has taken your content, whether it be on the sales enablement podcast or a book you've written and come back to you and said, Annie, I just want to tell you, thank you. And this is how you changed my life. Like an inspirational story. Yes. It's one of the things, the reason I keep doing this is, is just hearing from people the saying, look, you're having an impact on, on my life and what I'm doing. So yeah, I mean, I get, I get messages on LinkedIn fairly frequently People saying this is this has changed the way I sell. This has changed the arc of my career. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Makes you want oh. to keep doing it. Yeah, hugely humbled though. I mean, it's it's after sort of you know publishing three books and doing all these podcast yeah. episodes and knowing that you know in a comparatively very small circle, I might be kind of well known. Yeah, that you're having an impact on people's lives. It's it's yeah, it can be quite emotional sometimes because people yeah, you don't ex it really i mean you hope that you're reaching people and you hope that it's resonating with people and that they're actually putting it to use and finding i had one one guy uh -huh. after i published my second book he was vp of sales at a software company and he writes and says yeah i'm running my sales team based on this book and i'm like hey okay wow. how's that going for you but we're at 150 percent of quota we're not even halfway through the quarter <laughs> well i mean there have been a lot of those stories it, it's just like i said it's just it's humbling it's it's gratifying it does make you want to do more and but also for me it's like i it forces me to try to up my game right is is knowing that people are listening and paying attention and and yeah this is not something you do lightly right, right. You're putting yourself out there in the world and and putting your advice out there yeah, I take it as a responsibility to, to do it well. Yeah, I mean, I'll just throw it again for, for the people who've done it, who, who've listened and have gotten help is, you know, thanks, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Andy, do you have any plans for TikTok? Professionally? Yeah, is, is actually, so I'm hugely fortunate that, that both my kids work with me. And so my son's been with me six years, uh, we created the podcast together and, and I've been on this journey together. My daughter joined us more recently in the fall. And so, yeah, she has the, the charter to figure out what, what the TikTok strategy should be. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, as soon as you're on there, we'll be the first to follow. 
When yeah. you get on there, just at sales bricks. Right. Just, that, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, not sure there's a huge audience for an old guy like me, but yes, we're going to try to figure it out. I mean, there are some people in sales who are starting to jump into it. Leslie yep. Benetz is one person that uh, I've been working with for a while that she's very active on it. And the folks from sales feed are all over it. Um, sales feed are all over it. Yep. Yeah. So yep. that one's always really, really cool to see that it's not just, uh, it's not just things that we're not interested in during the day. Andy, what are you listening to these days that you can't get off the earbuds, musician, music group? What do you got? Yeah, I'm a little old school, but that's good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> one of my, I listen to a lot of instrumental music because I write a lot and I write to instrumental music. So Keith Jarrett, Charlie Hayden, you know, people like that. Lisa Hilton is another one that's really good. Yeah. So the group that I follow perhaps most recently in the last handful of years or more is, is the Avid Brothers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And okay. they are fantastic. I've seen them live four times, I think now, maybe five times now. Yeah, I think short of Springsteen, who I've seen a handful of times as well, they put on just this incredible show. And yeah, better live than perhaps even on their records, but I think the records are fantastic. I'm originally from New York. I, I live in Austin now. Mm -hmm. I moved here in 2018. But uh, as soon as you said Springsteen, obviously, Jersey, the you know, the... the Jersey's finest, right? So I saw him in the Meadowlands. Billy Joel, all the Meadowlands. All right, yeah, cool. yeah. All the all the Jersey people were there. They, they losing knew. their losing their losing their gourd, just going losing nuts. Gourd, yeah. Well, they knew all the <laughs> they knew all the all the words. So, Andy, who do you think we should interview next? No, that's a good question. Gosh, a lot of interesting folks out there. You know, one of my favorite favorite people, and I just think is so solid is I'll give you a couple couple of choices. One is Ralph Barcy. Ralph is vice president of global inside sales at trade.io. And one of the more thoughtful, interesting, kindest people in our business. Been in for a long time, very successful, quite, quite a great conversationalist. And then I'd say Howard Brown, who's founder and CEO of revenue.io. Howard's very unusual background because he's a you know clinical psychologist by back by training and but turned into a serial entrepreneur and has yeah very interesting take on on sales and selling and you know the psychology of 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 us of selling and yeah I, I, humans and people and how they yeah. do things I think it can only help if you're if you've got some type of psychology education I was no. a practicing therapist for a long time before he started his first company so um, yeah that's a unique perspective so there those you go are, two recommendations those are two really good recommendations thank you so much Andy we have arrived. At the final yes. question, are you ready? Sure. All right. Andy, if you could have a gigantic billboard with anything on it, what would it say and why? You know, that's a great question. Gosh, I probably should have prepared for that one. Yeah, I mean, I think messages of gratitude for me is important because we don't go through this world alone. Yeah, you know, we don't achieve, especially in sales, there's... We recognize the individuals, but the individuals don't achieve anything on their own. We all achieve everything as part of an entity, part of a corporation, part of a team. And yeah, I don't think we recognize the other people often enough. Yeah, I, I've written about this several times. Is at one of the jobs early in my career, the VP of the company was start took me around to all the back offices, you know, the accounting and engineering and manufacturing and all these different departments, basically what the message is that these people all depend on you. 
to come to work every day and do your best. And if you do that, they'll help you win business. And yeah, you just have to just have to realize that there's a lot to be grateful for and recognize other people for what they do and say thanks. So it would be so Andy's billboard would be thanks. Andy, this has been a lot of fun. We did it. It's been fun. Thank you. How do you how do you think we did, man, for episode number 13? I think for episode 13, you did very well. Thank you so much. I can't wait to finish reading the book. I did some skimming. I did tag it up a little bit. We got a quote at the top of the episode here from it. But uh, by the time we drop this, maybe in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a lot of stuff to fill in the show notes, man. Read the book. Leave a review on Amazon for us. Anybody that's reading the book, please. Amazon reviews. That's how we get the word out to other people. All right. Anything else you want to you want to you want to let us know about the book? Come come visit uh, me on LinkedIn. You follow me. Connect with me on LinkedIn. That- post there quite a bit or come to andypaul.com. We've got a little bit quick assessment you can take to sort of determine how salesy you are. So it's fun. It's not meant to be hugely serious, but it'll give you a quick indication. I'm going to pop on there right after I hit stop record. Andy, Good. thank you so much, man. Brian, thanks a lot. Those messages of gratitude extend all the way down here to Texas because I still can't believe Andy joined us. Sage advice from one of the best in the business. Pick up his newest book, Sell Without Selling Out, wherever it is you do the book thing. And for the love of God, be more human. Join us next week when we interview the person who decided it was a good idea to CGI Robin Williams in the upcoming Flubber 3. Catch you next week and on socials. See you later!